good day everyone you're listening to time for your hobby and this is episode 217 seems like the right project for me i'm your host alex and today i have the honor to have john as my guest on the show how are you doing today i'm fantastic alex thanks for having me on your show appreciate it i love your show by the way uh-huh thank you and it's the least i could do you had me on your show and it was a wonderful show john was one of the best interviewers who has ever who has ever interviewed me john has asked questions that just boggled my mind and made me really self-reflect and i really love that <laughs> oh yeah that's awesome i think it's just an innate sense of curiosity so it, and a lot of times it doesn't matter what the guest uh is doing or what their project is or anything like that I just what and you started talking i'm like oh this guy's fascinating already let me just listen to the voice <laughs> as a listener listen to alex's voice right it's so <laughs> enamoring i'm like oh i gotta know more about this voice just yeah, the voice no, itself. It, yeah. No, it's so smooth, dude. You got to like read kids books or adult books or do some kind of podcast where you read people to sleep. I love it, man. It's really in that ASMR kind of vein. Oh, thank you. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start reading instructions on how to cook craft dinner. Yes. Ooh, nice. People would <laughs> listen very, to that, dude. <laughs> just an essential voice. First, yeah. find a pot. Put in the craft dinner. Do not eat the craft dinner before it's cooked. <laughs> Please do not fall asleep while cooking. Yeah. <laughs> Warning. It's just a whole <laughs> long list. <laughs> but today is not about my capabilities or inabilities to read things in a, I was going to say an essential voice, in a narrative voice. Today is all about John. And John said a key word, project. And today we're going to be talking about John doing projects. But before we do that, people already know who I am. I'm sure people would love to know who are you. So who is John? Definitely. So I've been running a podcast about mental health and mental illness for several years now called Emo Dojo. It's, uh, it's been called other things and Emo Dojo is basically the name of my studio. So I didn't really have a podcast name. And I went under the name John Emotions because I just think I, I like the stage name idea. Like you, you, you do Alex Hobby, right? And uh, Johnny Motions sound like a great name. And I was kind of inspired by Dougie Fresh, Bunny Carlos, Wiley Coyote. So it was like John E. What? Hmm. Motions. So it, it became a whole thing. So I've been podcasting for quite a while, but before that, and for most of my life, I've always been accused of having too many projects, too many irons in the fire, doing too many things. And I got a lot of heat from that because a lot of them were not productive in the capitalist sense. They didn't generate money, but what they were was were pastimes for me and kind of venues for me to practice the crafts uh, independently that actually did provide me an income later in life. Things like graphic design or audio engineering, public speaking, all of those kind of things do translate into other paying jobs. But most of my life, I've been putting together projects. And you know what? I guess you are a hobby of hobbies. Like you just collect it is. all the hobbies. Yeah. I'm a sampler of hobbies because I like the setup part. I like the initial stage, finding a thing to do, the people to do it, and assembling all the parts to see if you can make that thing work. So whether that thing is a, a group ski trip or putting on an event, like throwing a, a, a show at a local veterans hall or something, or any kind of thing like that, always needs a bit of organizing. And so these are just what I call generically projects. A friend of mine the other week said, no, dude, that's called community organizing. But I think it's <laughs> a bit more to that in my hobby because I've been doing it for so long and I've kind of honed the different skills to the point where I do use some of them in my professional life. So that's what I'm thinking. It's, it's more than that. It's almost like, well, you're a musician, right? Mm -hmm. And I was in the music industry for many years uh, on the production side, producing concerts. Before that, I was in a band. And in fact, being in bands had saved my life because when I got kicked out of the house as a young kid, I had nowhere to go, but I was able to sleep next to my drum set wherever they happened to be set up. So I learned a lot about building projects from being in bands. That's, that's the long and short of it. And a lot of people think, what do you mean? And in fact, I think I drive my current bosses crazy about it <laughs> because I see most of my life through the metaphor of a rock band trying to make it in the world. Hmm. That is awesome. So, I love that point of view. Yeah. Well, so like building a project, for example, is much like putting together a rock band. There's multiple people involved in the project, whatever the project may be. Let's say we want a lemonade stand, right? So in my mind, a lemonade stand requires a couple of people. You got to staff it. So say you, you, your 10-year-old and a couple of your other 10-year-old friends, 
So now you're recruiting, you're talking to people, you're recruiting people. How do you sell those people on just another lemonade stand? This is where it gets super fun. I've worked for naming companies in the past and obviously graphic design companies and marketing firms. So I think there's a lot of magic in the naming. Even if you're not building a business, coming up with the coolest name helps in so many ways to make your project a success because it leads to the next thing, a cool logo. And because every cool team or community throughout history has rallied behind a flag. And you need a flag. You need an icon for your flag. So people out there, whatever you're doing, start thinking in in those terms, maybe. If you have a podcast or a lemonade stand, what's the icon? What do people think in their head when they think of your specific company? It's not a glass of lemonade. Every, Every lemonade stand has that. But what makes it special? So you'd have to come up with a cool name, a cool logo. And what's a cool logo? There are some standards for cool logos, right? To me. Then we look back to the rock and roll world and we say, who has the coolest t-shirts ever? Black Flag, Motorhead, Van Halen. Just the standard logo shirts. You're like, oh yeah, I know what that stands for. There's people who wear these shirts that don't even know the music because the logo is so powerful. So that's really where... The whole thing comes to, if the project, in my mind, is worth moving forward, then it's worth a cool name, a cool flag to march behind. You know, you got to have your banner to march behind. And then once you have that, then it's so much, it's infinitely easier to recruit new people into your idea. Because now it's not just stupid John with a crazy idea as usual. (laughs) It's John and one other person. And why are they running around wearing those cool ass lemonade shirts? I don't know what that means. So you create a little knowledge gap. And now people are like, oh, it's a lemonade thing. But again, does not have to be business at all. It could be a bowling league. It could be a sewing circle, anything like that. I remember was it my soccer team. We used to play with my friends probably before the pandemic. Yeah. And it was just for fun. We made a logo for our team. We were the Ottawa Sofa Couch. (laughs) It it didn't mean anything at all. And it was just like we had a sofa and a couch on the thing. It was like a, a crest and like. Like, you know, those family armor crests kind of thing. It's like, exactly. <laughs> we're like, yeah, Dude, you're, and wasn't it that much better? Like you yeah. not only had a name, but you had a cool name and something <laughs> interesting that meant something to just you guys and required other people to ask, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. The randomness of that. And it's just, I, you know, that's one of my favorite phases when it comes to creating new projects and new ideas is just coming up with the visual and the name, but I feel like this is something we can dive so much more deeper in. And I do, you have this magical power to trigger my curiosity. How dare you make me more curious, John? How dare you? <laughs> but before spreading we do that, curiosity like a plague. <laughs> yeah, I guess, but plagues, I guess is not a really good thing nowadays. So yeah, <laughs> it's pretty like love. <laughs> Dude, I was in line at a Walmart and I heard two uh, moms talking. Their kids were apparently in school or something. And one of them said something kind of questioning the other kid's behavior at school. And the other mom said, well, you know, that boy is just so curious. And the other one said, yeah, you got to get that out of him. <laughs> As if curiosity were a bad thing. Oh, like, oh my gosh. So it just, it just blew me away that I forgot. Some people don't appreciate curiosity the same way some people just don't like music or whatever. Mm-hmm. How dare you? Ooh, what does that taste like? Don't taste that. Well, it looks yeah, good. Right? Nope, don't. Why? I don't know, but don't taste it. Uh, (laughs) Now we're going into parenting rules. But for you, I'm not your parent, but for you, what social media links do you have that you would love to share? Not only social media links, but you said you have your podcast, but any other projects. I know you have a lot of them, but what would you love to share so people can come show you some support? Definitely. So the latest evolution of my podcast, I've basically been using the same RSS feed to, you know, publish audio files for six years now. And about every year and a half, I decide I need to change the name. Currently, that is called Signal Drops. You can find it at signaldrops.com or on Twitter at Signal Drops. Now that came about because, well, I used to have a uh, public access TV show, kind of like Wayne's World, that we called TV Pirates. The idea was that, hey, some pirates took over this TV channel and we got to like screw around. And then we evolved that onto the internet and I wanted to call it Signal Pirates. Well, none of the intellectual property was available. I couldn't get signalpirates.com or the Twitter handle. So it ended up being Signal Jams, which is kind of cool as a musician, but I have OCD issues with words and I just don't like the word jams. 
um, sounds like jellies or preserves. I'm like, now, now, get that thought out of my head. <laughs> so signal drops is the latest. But if you go look at, so talk about being into names. Emo Dojo is a great name. If you just type in Emo Dojo on your browser, you'll pull up like five pages of search results for my podcast because it's such a cool, simple, easy to say. You can't really misspell Emo Dojo. And it pops up. That same show, just to give you an idea of how we go through the naming process, had been called Manic Episodes. It's another name I love. It'd be called The Art of Emotions. So all of these kind of have a different twist of the same theme, but they're all awesome names. And it's just not, you don't want a name that's too long. You don't want a name that you can't get the .com for. Because if you're going to create a project that you want others to know about, um, be consistent. You know, it has to, has to work in all, all different factors. And, you know, just pick a social media platform or two. You don't have to be on all of them. So anyway, does that answer your question? Because I've always got a lot of projects. I'm also working on something called The Dispo Show at, of course, disposhow.com or on Twitter, Dispo Show. And that's a podcast all about cannabis dispensaries. So in my adventures, I've moved to Oklahoma and currently work in uh, the cannabis industry. And I figured a good way to help my job would be a fun podcast that is kind of off the record. I don't do it for work. I just do it for fun. And uh, it has a lot of payback. So Dispo Show is kind of a side project right now. And then there's another one called Sign Criteria, which is, again, a big uh, sign industry podcast. Well, in that case, the better question to ask you is, what project are you not working on? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, this thing with signal drops, though, it's fun. Okay. To anybody that has a podcast, it's really interesting because if you, you got to be careful what you plan for. Like what I planned for actually happened, but I just didn't like it. I had a podcast about mental health, but then I found myself always having to focus on other people's mental health because that was the nature of the conversation and I got tired of it. So as things evolve, I think it's important for people to realize that podcasts don't have to go on forever. It's not a radio. You're not a radio station. It could be a, a three episode short book or, you know, it could be uh, you reading recipes in the kitchen. It could be just a handful of things. So I think it's always important when you're creating a project to um, set limits for yourself. Like not every project has to be like every other project you've seen. We're, we're unique individuals and we can do exactly what we want as long as we're not uh, hurting others. So yeah, be creative and set limits that, that work for you so that you can continue with your hobby instead of being shut down or bored or hit a wall because, oh man, I can't think of what to say on the mic. Well, then don't talk on the mic. You know what I mean? Just get into something that you could... Uh, keep going with, which is, again, back to the nature of a hobby. Hobbies should be that way, right, Alex? I mean, if it's not fun, why are you doing it? Is it work? Okay, well, then it's not a hobby. You're on a different tip already. So yeah, to me, a hobby has to be fun. It's, I mean, it's work. It takes effort, right? That's how you get better and you achieve mastery over the thing that you're trying to do. But at no point does it ever need to generate income. And I always feel bad when people have killer hobbies they've been doing for a couple of years and they get really good at it. And they think it's a good idea to try to turn that into a job. That doesn't work as often as people like to think it does. Mm -hmm. And with social media, putting the pressure that you have to turn everything into a job, it can create more strain on the individual, which is yeah, not Yeah, good. well, we're very like uh, mimetic creatures by nature. Like what we see, we want to copy. And if we see other people making money doing a thing that is our hobby, the, yeah, the natural inclination is like, oh, wait, I should be making money because I just want to have fun. Well. I think a lot of people don't realize that once you turn it into a money-making operation, it's way less fun. And that's why a lot of people drop out because they got into their quote-unquote hobby to make money in the first place and they just weren't honest with themselves. And then, of course, yeah, you bail out because you don't make money. But that's the great thing about hobby. I fill my whole life with hobbies if I didn't have to pay, you know, for a roof over my head. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm there with you. And as an individual who has spoken to technically hundreds of people about their hobbies. I know a thing or two about the importance of having a hobby, right? <laughs> yeah, really. It is a purpose where a lot of people lose purpose because uh, they, they don't have a job or a hobby. And sometimes people get a job and it's not their purpose in life and they get really disenfranchised. And those are the people I'm like, well, keep your job, keep paying rent, keep buying food, you know, pay for all the things you need to pay for in life. But maybe your pur purpose can be found in a hobby. And a lot of people are like, oh, because I, I was listening to, uh, who is it? There's an actor named Paul Rust. He does a show on Netflix called Love. He's the main star and the writer. His wife has a, has a podcast about hobbies. It's not nearly as good as yours because she fades off and digresses a lot. 
But it's still interesting to hear what other people think are hobbies. And at one time I heard her talking with her girlfriend about their hobbies and her girlfriend straight up, like everything she had as a hobby, she said, nope, the moment I get a hobby, I want to turn it into moneymaker. And I'm like, wow, that sounds like, I don't know. That's almost like a condition. Like, is, could you get rid of that condition? Like the, the need to convert everything into fun, into work? It's, it's an interesting mindset that we live in today. And I, some people who think like that, it's, it's something that we can definitely dive deep into. And I want to, either we can do it on your podcast or my podcast. I have to have sacrifice. Maybe we'll start a new podcast, you and me, talking about that kind of stuff. Contemplating the things <laughs> of life. What is a hobby? What is a hobby? Every episode, we just tackle different hobbies. Is it a hobby? Yeah. And then at the right, end, yes right. <laughs> or no. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that is so true about hobbies. I mean, it's kind of like I always think of hobbies like a diet, much like the same way uh, the conversation about social media where people talk about, well, is social media bad for your kids? And like, no, neither is really a candy bar. But if your whole diet is candy bar and social media, then yes. And I think it kind of works the same way with work versus hobby. Like not having a hobby is not necessarily uh, healthy. You know, that's the salad of life in my, in my metaphor or my analogy. A hobby is the salad. That's the roughage. You got your sweets and the junk food, which is your job. Uh, now you got to fill it out with the balance. And I think a lot of people are just missing the hobby from their life. And speaking about hobbies and projects, since it's the topic of today, you said you've done so many different types of projects, but are there certain projects you prefer to do, whether it's a specific type of field or whether you prefer doing with a group of people? What would you say is your preferred type of project? For the type of projects I like to work on typically involve nonprofits. It goes back to that, well, it doesn't have to be about money. So I really appreciate projects that I work on that are for nonprofits that aren't trying to make money necessarily either. Obviously, they need money to operate, but that's not their sole focus. So that and anytime a nonprofit crosses over into the entertainment realm, specifically music. And in fact, one of my, my, my new projects that I'm working for for the later half of the year here is a nonprofit. I'm going to start a nonprofit called Emo Dojo that is going to be a drum dojo where people can learn to play drums from a physical exercise standpoint instead of a musical standpoint. So that's going to take up a lot of time. Yeah, so that is my favorite thing, working with people that are generally considered underclass or underdogs, but are creative geniuses and just don't quite fit in the misfits of society. And a lot of those folks like that end up with mental illnesses because they haven't fit in for their whole life and they've been treated poorly. So they've been programmed to think that something is wrong with them. And uh, yeah, I really just want, I love pounding on drums. I've always loved hitting drums as a, as a hobby and as a, as a job. So now is the time I think, yeah, let's show people how to play it more like a, a fitness bicycle. A lot of people are intimidated by musical instruments because they think they're supposed to be musical, but drums are one thing where it's just physical. It can be just physical. It can be rhythmic and on time and, and symmetrical, but it doesn't have to be musical. And I think breaking down some of those barriers will let a lot of folks enjoy drums. Well, now you, now you got me thinking, because before the episode, we were talking about how you've also worked with uh, kids as well and teenagers. And I'm guessing by what you just said now, you work with people who are older throughout their entire lives. They develop this mindset to think like that way, that they're not worthy and stuff like that. But you try to prove that they are. Now you have me wondering, for these people that you work projects with, because I would imagine you've done projects with the younger generation and the older generation, what are some key perspectives you've gained from different generations regarding a project? You know, projects unite people. Uh, hobbies unite people generally, but projects specifically are hobbies to the nth degree, if you think about it the way I'm perceiving them. is like You could have a, a single-person hobby, for example, uh, needlepoint or something like that. But if you go exponential with it, now you have a knitting circle and you can make giant quilts or, you know, you can contribute and take your hobby to another level. So mm -hmm. what was the question? I'm sorry. I got <laughs> sorry, totally yeah, sidetracked in my own fucking talking. <laughs> no, it's all good. The question is, while working with these different, different generations in regards oh, yeah, to like yeah. projects, that, how did yeah. you perceive hobby? Like, what did they teach you, like, generation-wise? Like, were the younger ones more, like, creative? Were the older ones more logical? What was, like, the thought process? Yeah, the younger ones are more liberated. They haven't been influenced as much by society. And they're more outspoken, and they have different kind of dreams and aspirations in the future. Whereas the old folks I've worked with, which have been, like, 
of homeless people and military vets. I ran, I was the uh, director of a hotel in San Francisco, 160 rooms. It was all those folks. And we did hobbies with them too. But theirs was a lot more reflective. So they would do things like record audio, like a podcast and tell about their past life stories. So it's definitely a more of a, uh, the young people have hobbies that stand here looking forward. And older folks have hobbies that collect things and tend to look backwards. Um, that's obviously a huge generalization. And on top of the other thing was like, yeah, the hobbies that most people are most rewarded is because their hobby now lets them interact with others and it eliminates that isolation and the loneliness. And I'm sure they all have something different to offer and they've taught you many things as well while you were teaching them. So it leads me to ask, have you ever had an epiphany while doing a project? Let's say you were working with somebody and you're like, they taught you something or said something or you realize something like, whoa, this is a life-changing moment. The one that comes to mind right now was an Australian man who'd found his way to, to America. He was living in the hotel I ran and he was probably in his mid seventies, had a wonderful speaking voice, Australian accent, thick, rich, low voice. And I'm like, wow, you used to be a broadcaster. He said, I was a broadcaster. And then I, I tried to, you know, crack into it a little bit and find out why he wasn't doing it. And he had just, um, he kind of given up like, cause I tried to provide him other opportunities. He didn't have a mic. So I got him a mic. He didn't have this. He, so the, that's the one thing that stands out is, is not giving up. Honestly, I don't even know how to say it more succinctly, but, or, or even more kindly, but you have to persist. You have to, that's part of the thing of a hobby is mastery of the subject and maintaining some level of confidence in yourself. Because once you lose the confidence, like a lot of older folks did, like kids have blind confidence. They're real confident. They can, <laughs> they get to fly. If, you know, I'm pretty sure I can fly. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm bulletproof. Yeah, yeah. Old people, a lot of times, the older you get, the more you've been you know, crapped on by society. You forget that you actually know how to do things that you're expert at because you've just been beat down by so much. So that's the thing I notice when watching people do their hobbies is the older folks are kind of recreating the good things in their life instead of just being a shut-in. Whereas the new kids, when kids are into hobbies, they're kind of exploring and filling their bucket full of all the new ideas for the future. So it's more of a process of addition with kids' hobbies or building projects. And with older folks, it's more of a thing of reduction. Like, let me get back to the basics. What do I really like with my life? What do I want to do with the few years I have left? And now, with that also being said, I say, you and I were in the middle of our lives. I say middle of our lives. We can't estimate how long people live because life is crazy like that. But yeah, yeah. if you're saying the younger generation looks forward to the future, the older generation looks back. For people like us, for yourself or your project, what is your current mindset when you do a project? Are you reflecting on your past or looking towards the future or a little bit of both? I typically look for the future always. It's uh, it, almost to a fault where uh, it's kind of a Pollyanna thing. I'm always a little too hopeful for things in the future and they rarely work out. You know, projects mostly fail. Like just like life is, right? It's just with the odds. Uh, but uh, things can always be better in the future, no matter how bad things were in the past. Um, starting right now, I could do whatever I want to make tomorrow better. So for that, and just, I try to be an optimist. I think I'm, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? Organically an optimist. So I, I, that's just the way I work. So I think, and I'm also, because of the curiosity thing, I'm what I would consider uh, a neophiliac. If, you know, if you're not familiar with the term, these are two, two cool terms that I tend to divide people in. Neophiliacs, people who love the new, and neophobes, people who hate the new. And people who hate the new tend to be very conservative, very rigid-minded, they think of things like, well, this is how it's always been. This is the way it needs to be. And I'm completely the opposite. I'm like, no, I like the new things. I, I need new things because right now it's not perfect. So I need new things to try to make the world a better place. So I'm definitely neophiliac, lean toward the future, always planning projects that kind of benefits uh, the people around me in the future. See, now you taught me some new words and I love that point of view because that's kind of like the mindset I'm currently in as well with the projects I am working on. And it's, I'm sure it's like you actually, you know what? I, you're really good at just tricking the curiosity. We're not killing the curiosity today. How nope. do you, what is your thought process when it comes to starting a new project? Do you see something on the road like, Ooh, cool squirrel, huh? 
what if I put little tiny hats on squirrel? Oh no, that's a weird project. But I'm saying, um, you see something yeah, no, and you inspired by it. I literally do that. And it's, I used to, when I was younger, when I was say in my twenties, I really did think every, every project had to be a real project. And I really had to invest my resources and all of these things into it. And the older I get, I'm like, oh no, that's just a project. I mean, it's just one of your things. It's like, you're just keeping busy practicing your skill set with a thing that probably is useless. But to me, that's okay. It's like going to the gym to work out your muscles. So I love working out my naming muscles, my graphic design muscles, my audio production muscles. I love doing all that stuff, um, just generally speaking. Out of all the projects you worked on, what was the most interesting project in your own opinion? Like, I never thought I would do this as a project, but wow, I'm so glad I did. Oh, uh, wow. Mm. I would exclude most of the entertainment projects because I'd always been into entertainment music and just clamoring people together for stuff. So exclude that. It had to be probably working and running that nonprofit hotel for homeless folks. I'd never planned to do that. I was like a homeless kid. Um, my parents kicked me out young and I had nowhere to go. Like I said, that's why I slept near my drums. And I felt I was able to make it out, crawl out and give back some. So I had gone to work at a juvenile hall later and served the old folks now. But man, after a while, that is what it's all about. It's, just, it's coming out and helping people uh, learn that they don't have to just be a rat in a race every day. And you say you always try to pick up new projects, trying something new. Have you ever gone back to an old project you worked on? You're like, you know what? I like to take it in a different path now. Mostly the podcast I have now because it's an ongoing podcast and I've learned over the years that people are just listening to it for me. That was really hard for me to accept because I have really low self-esteem and self-worth issues. So I don't really think of people wanting to listen to me. I thought they were there for the title of the show or the guest. But as time goes on, it turns out they're actually there for me, which is really comforting. And uh, I love doing it. And it gives me the freedom to like change the name of the podcast every couple of years or completely rework the whole thing that I'm working on. So that that's probably my favorite one. And this might be really tough. So I'm going to really dive deep into your brain with this one. What is something you know now that you wish you knew when you first started doing projects? That most will fail. Uh, going back to the optimistic thing, I'm an optimist. I would not start a project if I thought it was going to fail, right? So I really think most of my projects are like, oh, yeah. I mean, it might not be the highest priority of the eight projects I'm thinking of right now, but all eight that sucked up some of my time and that I came up and uh, developed a logo and a small business plan and bought a .com and checked out all that. I mean, once I got it locked into the, uh, the core elements there, like the flag, the banner to march behind and all that, I think it's serious, right? It's not even like, Mm, it's more of, I don't know, sometimes, you know, you ever get that thing like, well, you know, it should be invented. You know who should invent a thing and it should do this. That's how, that's when I see the dead squirrel or the squirrel that's wearing a Pied Piper hat or whatever. That's exactly what I think. I'm like, you know what? More people should know about squirrels with Pied Piper hats. And due to my hypomanic nature, I have bipolar disorder. Sometimes those ideas get stuck in my head and I really can't shake them until I get it out. And getting it out in this case is all this project looking stuff that people are like, well, what is this? Is this going to be a business? Or I'm like, nah, it's just the thing I'm working on. You know, just some, like, like a piece of art I'm drawing. And uh, a lot of people just don't get it. I don't quite get it, but it's not harming anybody. Domain names only cost 12 bucks or whatever, you know, and all the little things don't cost that much. So yeah, I definitely chalk it up to uh, a fun hobby and something that I will just keep going on. But um, not... So back to the uh, initial point of the question is I didn't know that not making money was an option when I started like doing projects because uh, I was just raised by parents that lived in a capitalist society and I always thought everything had to have money. So I had to go climb trees and collect mistletoe as a kid. I had the lemonade stand. I, you know, sold books and mag all the little stuff that 10 year olds do had a paper route. So I'm like, ah, this making money sucks. This just work. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. what's the fun part of life? And like, and then I, you know, got into music and and the other things. But it did. It took me a long time to realize, like, oh, these little these projects, my community organizing, it's fine, like it is. It doesn't have to result in anything, and I don't care what people think about it uh, when I do it. But I and I'm not, and I don't regret trying to pull people together to achieve a thing, whatever the action is we're trying to achieve. What, like, why would I feel bad about doing that? So yeah, I'm kind of proud of like having projects and so many quote unquote irons in the fire that never amount to anything. 
And I wish of reaching back, I could tell my, my past self, like, dude, 99.9% of the projects you work on won't succeed. And the ones that will, will be about a third as successful as you hope they would. But keep going because one time the stupidest thing you don't think will succeed will probably be the, you know, the be all to end all of, of your life. It'll be that thing that you've been chasing. So persistence is key here. But I could also imagine as well for those quote unquote, you've have not been successful because success can be defined in so many different ways, right? So in this case, the ones that you quote unquote was not successful, I'm sure you've gained valuable lessons from them that you transferred over to new projects as well. For sure, without a doubt. And, and to my mind, success was like actually creating the logo I saw in my head and describing the project in the way that I meant to it to be described and attracting the few people to hear my crazy idea. That's enough for me. I'm like, okay, that project was a success. Now what's the next thing I want to do? And uh, people are like, oh, no, you quitted everything. I'm like, well, not my job. I still have a fucking job. And I've, in fact, I have not quit this hobby. You just don't understand the nature of my hobby. My hobby is inventing things that don't exist, seeing if they can grow on their own, and then moving on and inventing something else. Because I love the inventing process. I don't like managing anything. That's why doing a podcast, the hardest part about doing a podcast is managing it. Scheduling guests, you know, showing up on time, publishing a thing, hanging out on Twitter. That's all a pain in my butt you know, most of the time. So um, I like, but I do that for the fun part of the hobby. This part, you know, talking, hear myself in the headphones, <laughs> pushing buttons and knobs. I, I just like that kind of stuff, you know? And I think it's okay. So I think whatever people are doing, whatever point you are in your hobby, acknowledge that it's cool to just have a hobby that's never going to make money ever. In fact, it might be better for you that it never does make money. And remember, the hobby is your hobby. You don't have to do your hobby for anybody else. If it makes you happy, that's the most important part because who cares what other people think of what makes you happy for your hobby in weird way of saying that like you do it for yourself you picked it up if you want to collect buttons cool do it dude if it makes you that's happy, a thing yeah it is i love exactly. that idea i want to start <laughs> collecting uh cabinet handles like little doorknob mm. handles but not doorknobs but the size of a cabinet just you know you could collect more in a smaller space because I think they have the same appeal as buttons. And I only learned of this because I was listening to that other dumb podcast about hobbies with those two chicks who don't know what hobbies were. One of them randomly said, huh, maybe uh, I'll collect buttons or doorknobs. I'm like, oh, she hit it. It's, yeah. I don't know. But uh, yeah, collecting this sounds cool to me. Do you collect anything? Uh, what does I collect? God, I've collected coins in the past. I've like, I'm like you. I bounce to different types of hobbies. What else do I collect? Oh, okay. This is a work hobby. I guess it is a weird thing. I don't know why, but I have like a little bottle and I am collecting like the removed, like the staple, the staples, like the ones that I don't keep, like they're taken out. Oh of yeah. Paper. Yeah. I just put them, yep. yeah. The dead ones, I just throw them in the bottle and I'm like thinking one day, maybe we're just going to melt them all and make something out of metal. Like I think it's aluminum or I just like melt them. Like, oh, I'm collecting this. Once it reaches the top of the bottle, I'm going to, Oh yeah. Make, <laughs> I don't know why. Dude. There, okay, so I've got my mom vicariously doing a hobby for me, which is I'm not even doing anything, Ooh. but she collects sand now. She collects sand. She travels the world, and now she collects sand in those little tiny glass bottles. So when, every time I visit home for the holiday or whatever, in the bathroom up on the windowsill, there's like 40 little tiny bottles with sand from around the world. I'm like, yeah, this is a good hobby. I don't doesn't require any effort. Oh, I could just imagine your mom, she's collecting all this sand. And then in the other room is like collected seawater. So she's slowly building her own beach. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I had a neighbor across the street from me once when we were little. I thought it was the creepiest thing. Not creepy, just gross. He was a you know, middle-aged guy. And he saved his toenails and fingernail clippings. He had a big, like, mayonnaise jar. Like a, like the ones, like, 10-inch tall mayonnaise jar full of nail clippings. I'm like, that's gross, bro. You but know what? His hobby, you know? <laughs> exactly. To each their own. Probably not my cup of tea. I would not put that in a cup of tea either. No. But if, <laughs> it, if it makes him happy, it's not bothering anybody, then more power to him, right? Yeah, yeah. Collecting is an interesting thing. I haven't learned to collect yet. I kind of, uh, a minimalist, I, I probably having to do with not having houses to live in sometimes. I haven't learned how to collect things just for the sake of collecting. But yeah, we'll see, man. Who knows what the future holds with hobbies, but uh, I will always have hobbies. Yeah, there you go. And then I guess I'll have to have you back on and on and on and on and just, just keep going on. <laughs> Till the break of break of dawn, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and so for you, what was your biggest challenge when you first started doing projects? Okay, I can't recall early on because I've been doing them since I can remember. 
I remember the hardest part was when I did not know each of the specific skill sets. So when I first had an idea and I wasn't, I was a scribbler, a doodler, I would doodle in school. But at some point I'm like, no, I need a professional logo. I need clean, square, straight lines. And I'm like, I don't know what an illustrator is. Illustrator was barely even out then. So um, those kind of things, not knowing how to, how to work Adobe Illustrator, that was frustrating. Not how, knowing how to run audio software. So basically it was just the initial stages when there are some core tasks that you have to know to have a project and otherwise you're spending money that you don't have. And now, now why? <laughs> is it really that kind of a project? So it was just the time it took to learn the different skill sets and, and the reading and the, the research it took to learn uh, how to come up with a good name for a, for a project or things like that. So yeah, that was the stumbling block was just, I'm a fast thinking person. I like to just go and do it. And having to slow down for weeks and months just to learn a new thing um, has always been frustrating, but it worked out really well. Now, I, you know, I don't have to call or ask anybody to do a project. I can get it from zero, from an idea in my mind into something I could give to somebody to take over. This is, this is why we're friends. This is absolutely why we're friends. We're the exact yeah. same person, same haircut. we got the same barber and everything. That's right. <laughs> Shine on. Yeah. We're a beacon or a blinding lighthouse or some sort of thing like that. Uh, yeah. So that was your biggest challenge when you first started. What is your current challenges these days? Uh, minimizing the projects. Because what happens when you, when you elevate your project, you start uh, running into people who, again, are into things like, hey, you should make money. And I'm like, okay, so deflecting that piece is the hardest, but also because I know how to do the various skill sets, it's a lot easier just to say, yeah, I'll, I'll work on that. Yeah, no problem. Just take me a little bit of time. But it, it really is. It's a mind's time. You know, it's a, it's a peace of mind. It's my uh, thought process that gets distracted. So I have my biggest challenge is turning away potentially new jobs. Or new projects. I, I shouldn't call them jobs. This, and, and it's not like people are calling me and offering me, hey, dude, you know what you do? It's me. It's me. It's riding the bus around town or going on a trip out of the state and seeing something and getting back home like, oh, you know what? Here's a thing that needs to exist. And then I can't stop. So yeah, limiting myself and focusing has always been a huge challenge. And you know, when, when you can do all the different projects you want as a grown up with you know, all the time you want, if you got eight hours to work. Well, you know, now you got 16 hours to do whatever. And man, I can fill my brain and my time with way too much. So yeah, limiting projects to the ones that might actually succeed as projects. Again, not as jobs or work or paid situations, but just will succeed as a cool project is, is my biggest challenge. And you know what? At the end of the day, it's your time. You can do whatever you want with it. And if you become out a better person, then that's even better. Yeah, for sure. And um, I think that's the great thing about most hobbies is you will definitely come out a better person. You'll come out more enlightened. You wouldn't have spent all those times ranting on the internet about stupid things. Uh, you'll have focused your attention in a specific way. Your blood pressure will be lower. All of the things, you know, just work out much better. If you just commit and just accept the fact that what you're doing is a hobby does not need to be make money. Plot twist. What if your hobby is to argue with people on Twitter? And that raises your blood pressure. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Paradox. It, I, you know, I would take that hot. Well, that would have, I would take that as a job, I guess. I would not take that <laughs> it's as a way a of hobby. life. I it is a way of life for a lot of people to get sucked into it. And that's, that's more of an addiction. I think, I think people who get angry on Twitter are stuck at home and they lack adrenaline. And by causing a fight on Twitter, it boosts their adrenaline. And uh, that keeps them coming back for more fights. Yeah. I'm going to make a second account and I'm going to fight myself. Just to keep me on my feet, Muhammad Ali style, Evander Holyfield. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just... <laughs> I got uh, evil bankers on Twitter. I got that back in the last like Occupy movement or whatever, long time ago. And I just, I found out, I got the crack back into it the other day. I'm like, yes, now I could talk about inflation and the evil <laughs> that banks do around the world, um, which I don't want to do for my normal podcast account, because uh, which I do sometimes. And well, Try not to. I'm trying to keep my podcast audience immune to all my political rantings. I can't remember what it was exactly. I think there was a guy on Twitter and he became famous on the internet, just creating the most ridiculous argument. I think it was about like I had ducks that can't, ducks don't fly or something like that. I can't it remember. Sounds what vaguely it, familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Something I can't remember what it was exactly, but he just went on about it and he knew it was just fake, but he just 
wants to start nonsense because it's the internet. The internet is full of nonsense. But oh, that's, that's, ooh, yeah, I've heard of this well, guy. They had well, a fucking protest down in Hollywood. What was it? It wasn't ducks. It was something else. I can't remember what it, it was. It was something as absurd as that. It's like yeah. flying ducks are fake. Yeah. Or something. Birds are fake. That's what it was. Yeah, birds are fake, right? Birds aren't weird, yep. real. <laughs> nope. And he had like probably a hundred people at a, you know, fun flash mob kind of protest in Hollywood where all those uh, birds are fake. It's the, it's the man. <laughs> New world order. I love that. It was just it's so ridiculous that it's like, okay, that's not believable. Uh, yeah, that's my kind of guy. I love just poking, poking society. It's one thing to poke the man, you know, it's easy to mm-hmm. poke the man. Everyone hates the man, mm-hmm. power, you know, authority, all that. But when you just poke the idiocy of society as a whole, <laughs> that's much better. I love the internet. It's a beautiful place. Uh, so back to you as well. This might be a little tough, but what are some misconceptions about people who do projects? So I think a lot, it's kind of the same thing as uh, framing it the same way as hobby versus job. I think the misconception of a lot of people who do projects is the idea that they're doing it to try to make money. I know lots of people who have projects. And the more I started to analyze this after much therapy and mental health uh, work on my own self, I started to think like, yeah, people are involved in projects because they want to have a purpose in life. And I think that is the big thing. So the misconception is that people doing projects are trying to get ahead in life and trying to make a bunch of money. And that might not be the case at all. They might just trying to be occupying their mind with something that satisfies their soul. So that's the biggest misconception. Projects never have to make money. They can. They can, I mean, if they do, cool. And obviously, if you're doing something to make money, all of the description of the things I said to do would still apply. You'd still want to create a community and march behind a banner with a cool name and a great logo and you know, a, soul, you know, a well-intended purpose. Uh, but it, that's that, this is definitely not the case. And I would I would encourage people to try to do things without money in mind first. Lock down the bag, you know, go get your bag and pay the rent, take care of your car payment, whatever. But after that, like start exploring things from a hobby mindset and don't put so much pressure on yourself to make money at it. Get good at it first. And then if it turns out you just don't have the patience or time or inclination to get good at it, well, you were never going to make money at it anyway then. So, you know, find a different hobby. So that that's the thing, man. Just the misconception is that projects make money. Unless your hobby is collecting coins, then in that case, you're technically making money, but you might spend more money to make that money. <laughs> yeah, you're collecting money. If your hobby was minting coins, then you're yeah. making money. Yeah, yeah, subtle but important difference. Yeah, oh yeah, sorry, sorry. Technicalities, right. <laughs> I would like to collect silver nickels, though. That's my next thing. Uh, I think that might be the... the Bet to uh, hedge the bet against uh, the coming calamity. <laughs> if society collapses, I would like some pure nickels because they'll spend and they'll increase in value. That's my next hobby. But I don't know where to find silver nickels. You just have to look. They exist. They're not like rare, but they're just randomly in circulation. You have to look at them, take the ones you want. Mm-hmm. Well, here in Canada, pennies are no longer a thing. So I'm just going to collect pennies and collect, make copper and make copper pipe and wiring to keep my house warm. I don't know. Straight <laughs> up, dude. Yeah. Make a little radio antenna yeah. transmitter. Yeah. You know, a ham radio. Because when the world goes to shit, we'll need new radio people. We'll be the podcasters of the future. We'll be these guys with copper and nickel wires <laughs> wrapped together to make a radio transmitter. Radio Free Toronto. <laughs> They'd be like, yeah, I'm looking for the, the the nickel guy. Yeah, I'm looking for the copper guy. Yeah, that's John and Alex. Yeah, they got all the copper and all the nickel. <laughs> yeah, he planned ahead. He started in 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have the tinfoil hats too? Yeah, we got the tinfoil hats. <laughs> yep, yep. Lots of those. So do you have any word of advice for anybody who might be interested in starting projects? Hey, I would first decide, is it going to be a solo project? Or do you want other people involved? If you want other people involved, my advice is come up with a killer name, create a killer icon to march behind and develop your story. Why do you want someone else to join you? As one person, you just look like a lunatic with an idea. If you can recruit a second person into your project, now it's a real project. You've got someone that will vouch for you. You've got two people running around society with your t-shirt on. Um, so that's, that's what I'd recommend. If you're going to start a project, determine if it's just you. If it is, yeah, do whatever you want, whenever you want. But if it's going to involve others, come up with a cool name, a cool icon. Put it on a shirt. Put it on a bumper sticker. Tell everybody about it and what it is. You'll get better and better at explaining your story. And others will come out of the woodwork to help support you and that hobby. So you're pumping me up right now. Oh, my creative mind is running 20 million kilometers 
a second. I have to think about that for a second. Quick. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's wonderful advice. And I've asked this question at the beginning of the episode, but I'll ask it again at the end because I want to show some more support. Do you have any social media links, websites, or quote unquote, well, no, actually not quote unquote, projects that you would love to share with the listeners? Yeah. So I would really appreciate it if you are listening to this and enjoy the kind of conversation we're having here to tune into my newly revamped podcast called Signal Drops. You can go to signaldrops.com or on Twitter at Signal Drops. And that's going to be a kind of roundtable panel-based show featuring experienced independent podcasters talking about the topics of the day in a kind of a not-safe-for-work, more casual environment. So, um, yeah, go to Signal Drops, check it out. And Alex, I'd love to have you on as a (gasps) recurring Uh, guest host or recurring co-host so that you could like update us once a month on what the latest hobby is. I'm looking for a field Mm. correspondence basically. (laughs) So uh, if you're a listener too, besides Alex and myself, I've got a couple more people lined up, but I'm looking for field correspondents that know how to talk on a mic and have some kind of specialty or live in a weird area and you just want to report in every now and then. So yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for letting me share that. Signal drops is where it's at. That's perfect. I'll put that down below in the description, in the show notes, so people can go check that out. And when you said field reporter, I'm like, or field report, I'm thinking, hi, John. Yes, I am here in the field right now. And there is a colony of ants. I am collecting them one by one into my car. Is it a good idea? I don't know, but it is my new obsession collection and I will keep you updated. Oh, I ate two. (laughs) <laughs> there's alex outstanding in his field yeah i have i am itchy now it's just the most ridiculous thing <laughs> but no i would love right. to whenever you'd want me i am down i love talking that's yeah i guess it explains why i was a tour guide i'm a podcaster yeah, yeah, and so yeah yeah so talking is my thing but yeah Killer, if you man. need my help i am there for you i love it i will hit you up on that and uh you're on twitter also so that makes it easy. It's kind of weird when you communicate through people only through one social media platform, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's the only way to make things move forward. We could do carrier pigeon if you like. I, I saw a story, <laughs> just to, totally digress for a second. In a different country, they were complaining because the internet was so slow. They did a test. They sent a one gigabyte file through the internet and strapped a one gigabyte drive onto a carrier pigeon's arm No, and tested it. Yeah, the carrier pigeon blew it away <laughs> by like three hours. That is, that is so awesome. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> the power bird. The bird power. The birds you are real. You can't deny the bird. So That's you're right. saying the, the birds are real. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe this whole story's fake. Just made it up. Like, make it everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a USB flying in the air. There's no bird. No, of That's course right. not. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And now for the last question. I do this at the end of every single episode. Do you have any questions for me about doing projects? I will have some more questions. I've asked you a lot of questions <laughs> when you were on my show and because mm-hmm. we've gone over the questions about projects, but do you think, uh, let's just make a hyperbole question. Do you think it's a sin to convert your hobby, your passion into a job of misery? Huh? I wouldn't necessarily call it a sin, but I wouldn't call it a hobby. Cause I know people who have said my hobby is my job. My hobby is making a million dollars. I, a hobby is something you do in your free time. If you turn it into your career, cool. But what I've learned is usually when that happens, hobbies are usually a, a coping mechanism in the sense that it helps you disconnect from society and the world and helping you regain some balance in your life. You're doing something to enjoy yourself. And once you turn it into work, then it becomes a consistent, a consistent thing that you have to keep up in order to pay rent or pay stuff. That's interesting. Yeah. That's That's really well put. You've turned it then from a coping mechanism into a stressor. You flipped it completely. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And that's, that's the thing that like when I was, so I produced music and Back in university, I was producing music and I was also recording some other artists as well. I've recorded probably 30 to 35 different types of artists and they're like, oh, let me pay you. Let me pay you. I'm like, no, I don't want to get paid because I don't want to turn this into like a full-time thing. My focus is in my school right now and I'm doing this as a stress reliever. I'm doing my own music. The moment that you say, okay, I need this by this time, I'm paying you, then it becomes more stressful for me. Way, and I wouldn't put way more. Fo- yeah, exactly. So 
yeah, there's certain things like I am working on a project that I do want to make it maybe into a business, but I do not, I know clear line of what I want as my hobby as a de-stressor. So it's either sports, hiking, uh, making music, podcasting. Those are my hobbies. The board game could be a business. I'm working on it right now. I'm doing the whole idea, but it's something that I'm not going to break my neck over and yeah, I'm very passionate about it, but I'm not going to drive myself crazy trying to turn it into something that is maybe should or shouldn't be. Yeah, yeah. Don't knock yourself out trying to force it. I, I look forward to that. That's exciting to me, your board game. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I got so much. I'll share it with you all after. I'll show you the graphic design. I've taught myself graphic design in a sense. So, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> See, now you're dangerous. Now you can do <laughs> other projects. Well, speaking about graphic design, a little side note. Apparently, I saw something today about... Uh, Adobe Photoshop is going to be free soon. What? Yeah. The online like version. Like they give it away free. Microsoft Office? I get like apparently get the it. web version is going to be free of my of Photoshop. Okay, good. Because I, I have <laughs> I use something else. I use this thing called uh, in Affinity Design, mm-hmm. which uh, came out when Adobe started charging people to rent mm-hmm. every month. Uh, but now if they're going to offer it free, Adobe yeah. Illustrator does have some cool functions that in that design does not have. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for the tip. Yeah, Alex, the tip guy. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So there you have it. Another body with a hobby. Thank you, John, for coming on and just sharing your passion. And I always enjoy your energy, your charisma, your love for everything and everyone. So if you guys would love to show John some love, go check him out. I'll put all the links down below. He is a wonderful, splendid human being and deserves all the love. If you'd like to be on my podcast or have any questions at all, you can send me an email at timefuryourhobby at gmail.com. And of course, if you love the podcast and want to show some support, you can. Uh, you can leave a review. I have merchandise that, yeah, it's not the best, but you no, know, maybe it's the best. I don't know. It's there. Um, what else? Um, I'm working on a board game. If you are interested, I have a Patreon. But once again, these are all optional. As you can probably tell, I'm at 217 episodes. Money isn't a factor that makes me keep going. If, if it's clear, I've been doing this for four years because I love my guests. They've been amazing and passionate people. And I just want to say thank you, John, for being one of those wonderful guests. Dude, the pleasure is all mine. I really appreciate the opportunity. Spread the love and the excitement about hobbies. And uh, I look forward to talking to you again when the game comes out as well. Mm, I will definitely keep you posted. So until the next episode, make some time for your hobby. Take care. Adios. Adios.